welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the evening service of Sunday the 12th of February 2017, entitled Satan's Tricks of the Trade, and the Bible reading is taken from Job chapter 16, verses 1 to 14. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. A lot of things when somebody is out to do something, they have what's known as the tricks of the trades. And tricks of the trades can be good things or they can be bad things. Uh, tricks of the trades are those things that you only know uh, if you're an insider and you've worked out these ways to get something accomplished. And some things, those are positive accomplishments, but sometimes they're negative. You know, one illustration that I could give to you was that when when I was in business management and and working in a in a new car franchise, uh, there were these classes that we went off to in which they actually tried to teach you some of the tricks of the trade. And that was uh, the tricks of the trade that these insurance companies were teaching us uh, was simply how to get all of this money out of the customer without the customer knowing it. Uh, It was tricks of the trade. It was how to trick somebody in a bad way to get something that was what you wanted as an objective. Well, that doesn't work real well with Christians usually, if you truly have any conscience whatsoever. And so it didn't sit down very well when uh, when I just flat out told them that, you know, never, ever, ever, if I had to practice those kind of tricks in order to be in that trade, then I'd find another trade. Uh, but, you know, God is so good because you don't have to trick people in a bad way. And I can tell you that God's way is always the best way. And uh, for several years running... Uh, our dealership was the most profitable in the whole state because we didn't use any of their tricks of the trades uh, because we tried to treat our people honestly. Well, there is very few people that you could ever meet that would have the tricks of their trade down pat more than Satan himself. Uh, and one of those passages that uh, uh, that we often go to when we're going through the toughest struggles and battles in this life is the oldest book in the Bible, the book of Job. <laughs> um, and I want to, I want you to turn with me to Job chapter 16. I'm going to take a few points, and I'm just going to give you a few points from these verses this evening, if I can, that to enlighten us and remind us of some of Satan's tricks of the trade in order to stop you in order to stop you in your tracks, in order to keep you from being effective, in order to stop you from doing what we heard so well in the message this morning when we were asked that question, what is your relationship to Jesus Christ? And we were reminded uh, from God's Word that, yes, we have been commanded to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature out there. But, folks, our ultimate purpose is the worship of God Almighty. That's what we're going to be doing through eternity. And our purpose in winning others to Christ is that they might worship and that they might win others, that God may have his rightful place. But we need to be reminded also, the devil's going to try to stop you. And usually the ones that he's most keen to stop are the most are the ones that are the greatest danger to him. <laughs> Some of the ones that have the greatest potential to be used of God are sometimes the ones that end up in the ditch by the wayside. I invite you to stand with me this evening as we read from 
Job chapter 16. And let me just share a few thoughts that I have, uh, that I have jotted down here because as we head towards our theme of being sifted and finding triumph through the midst of all of those troubles, I just want us to be reminded this evening that there is one out that's to deceive us and to trick us, but we don't have to be deceived. In Job chapter 16, beginning in verse 1, Then Job answered and said, I have heard many such things. This is, by the way, Job's fourth prayer that he's praying here. He says, I've heard many such things. Miserable comforters are ye all. Of course, his friends were being a great encouragement to him, weren't they? Miserable comforters, literally troublesome comforters that you are. Shall vain words have an end? Or what emboldeneth thee that thou answerest? I also could speak as ye do. If your soul were in my soul's stead, I could heap up words against you and shake mine head at you. But I would strengthen you with my mouth, and the moving of my lips should assuage your grief. Though I speak, my grief is not assuaged, and though I forbear, what am I eased? But now he hath made me weary. Thou hast made desolate all my company. Thou hast filled me with wrinkles, which is a witness against me, and my leanness rising up in me beareth witness to my face. He teareth me in his wrath, who hateth me. He gnasheth upon me with his teeth. Mine enemy sharpeneth his eyes upon me. They have gaped upon me with their mouth. They have smitten me, have smitten me upon the cheek reproachfully. They have gathered themselves together against me. God hath delivered me to the ungodly and turned me over into the hands of the wicked. I was at ease, but he hath broken me asunder. He hath also taken me by the neck and shaken me to pieces and set me up for his mark. His archers come past me round about. He cleaveth my reins asunder and doth not spare. He poureth out my gall upon the ground. He breaketh me with breach upon breach. He runneth upon me like a giant. Father, as we look in these passages this evening, I pray that you would... Uh, Help us, Lord. Speak to us. Give us that which would be of profit to us this evening because, Lord, you know every individual that is here this evening. You knew already before, Lord, that we would be standing in this pulpit and preaching tonight. You knew when you laid these thoughts upon our heart who would be here. And so you know who needs them this evening. And, Lord, we know that we can do absolutely nothing. But, Lord, we would pray that you would speak to every heart. You know if there's anyone here tonight under the sound of my voice that's lost and needs Jesus Christ, Lord, please, please, as you speak to their hearts tonight, Lord, might they be drawn, might they, Lord, just be able to break through those barriers, whatever they might be, and respond to that call upon their life. Lord, you know all of your children, those that may Lord, not be walking where they need to walk. Those that are maybe in 
troubled times right now. And Lord, as we read these passages, we're reminded of just how difficult the things got for your servant, Job. And Lord, we know that he was the most upright man of his day. So Father, as we look here this evening, would you help us to be reminded of the tricks that our enemy would play against us in order that he might be able to achieve his goal, which is to break us to stop us, to keep us from being effective. But Lord, I pray that you might just give us some insight here this evening that would help us because we know, Lord, he doesn't have to win. Our victory is in Jesus Christ. We don't have to be beaten down. No matter how troublesome the waves may be, we realize that the victory is ours in Christ. So help us as we look here this evening, speak to our hearts, We'll give you all the praise and thanks for it. In Christ's name we pray, amen and amen. I remind you that the book of Job begins with these words, which tells us exactly where Job was in his life when it says, there was a man in the land of us whose name was Job. Listen, and that man was perfect and upright and one that feared God and eschewed evil. Sometimes we just say, it's just not fair, God. I'm trying to do what's right. I'm trying to do what's right by you, and I'm trying to do what's right by those around me. Job, a perfect and upright man, one that feared God, a godly man. Now the Bible goes on to tell us all about his family, those that are there, but notice again what it said in verse 6. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth and from walking up and down in it. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth Job fear God for naught? Has not thou made an hedge about him and about his house and about all that he hath on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands, and his substance is increased in the land. But put forth thine hand now, and touch all that he hath, and he will curse thee to thy face. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he hath is in thy power. Only upon himself put not forth thine hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. And the Bible goes on then to describe how that Satan went, and may I say that here the man, not because of the wrong that he had done, but in some essence we would say, well, why in the world? Why in the world would God bring Satan's attention to the one that feared him so much that he himself said there was nobody else like him in all the land? Well, I can't answer all of those questions for you, but I can tell you this. 
that down through the centuries since these words have been written, some 1,500 years before Jesus even came to this earth, we find that men and women and boys and girls have read the accounts of Job. They have been the strength that sustained so many. Sometimes do we ask ourselves, it's sometimes so personal. Why are we going through these things that I don't deserve? Why did God say to Satan, you can touch everything that he's got in this world, but you can't have Job. You can't touch him. You can have everything else there. You see, God knew that Job loved him more than everything else in this world. We find that many things could be said that brings us up to this point here in chapter 16. We talk about the patience of Job. We find that there are very few people that have come face to face with the tricks of the trade of Satan more than Job did. I mean, we find that Satan really took everything that he had to he was literally, as far as the things in this earth, it was all in Satan's hands. He saw his whole family destroyed before his face. He saw everything that he had taken from him. A man that had it all, the Bible says he was, he was at ease in his own prayer here. I was at ease. What has gone wrong? You see... We find that Job was entirely, entirely in the dark as to the reasoning behind this. He had no earthly idea. And that's part of what's coming through in his prayer here. I don't know. <laughs> you know, I was at ease, but God has just allowed all this to come upon me. What is this all about? May I remind you that the Bible speaks of God as a consuming fire. But you see, when God is a consuming fire, it consumes the shaft and the dross and that which isn't pure, and it leaves that behind which is more pure. It's always for the good. But yet, Satan, he wants to take the wheat and the silver and leave behind the shaft and the dross and that which is worthless and not real. Satan wants to destroy you to make you less. When God allows things into your life, it's to make you more, to make you stronger, to make you more like the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, God's delight is in giving to you that which will make you better and make you more like His Son, Jesus Christ. Satan is in taking away everything that he possibly can so that he can make you less like Christ every day of your life. He's good at his job. He's learned some tricks of the trade of what gets through to people a lot of times. I want you to notice here, first of all, it's a very simple thing. In verse 7, Job says, But now he hath made me weary. That's one of his tricks of the trade is to make you weary. Do you ever feel like, and I mean, I could name names. 
I could name names. I know that there's some of you right out there tonight just like me. There were others that were here this morning that have come up first and say, I'm just so weary. I just don't feel like I can go on. That's one of the tricks of the trade of Satan. He's just to wear you down. Job said, he's made me weary. Because when we get tired, we just want to sit down and quit. Sometimes when we get weary, we just don't feel like that we can go on, that it's worth going on. The truth is, we saw in the simple verse this morning, and we could look at so many places in the Bible, we've been looking at this great promise. When we've talked about experiencing the presence of the Lord, He promised that He would never leave you, that He would never forsake you. That's His promise to you. We find that in the very statement this morning when He told us to go into all the world, to go out there teaching them that wonderful message of the gospel, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. He did tell us to go. But he says, he's going with us. Lo, I am with you always. Always. You see, what am I saying is that you might get weary in the flesh. You might even get weary spiritually but it's not your strength that you stand in. It's the strength of Him. There's always strength. He's never without strength. Satan can never wear God down. That's one of the tricks of the trade to make you think that you can't go any further. To think that it's not worth going on. To think that you can't do it. And maybe in yourself can't, but I'm saying with Jesus Christ, you always can. There's always sufficient strength. Weariness. Not just weariness. Notice, notice what else he says there in that same verse. But now he hath made me weary. Thou hast made desolate all my company. I know sometimes that it's easy to feel like you're alone. It's easy to feel like nobody cares. But Job is being pretty literal here. <laughs> You see, he's been separated from everybody that he cared about. I mean, his wife and his children, all of his company, they're gone, folks. They're not just there, and he thinks that they don't care, and he thinks that they don't hear him. They're gone. They're out of his life. He says, you've taken. You've taken everybody that mattered to me. You've left me desolate from those that mattered in my life. The most. God, the only people that you've left around me, and maybe they mean well, but listen to this lot. That's what we just read there in the first six verses. I mean, they really, they're just laying it out there. They have absolutely no earthly idea what God is doing or why God is doing it, but they think they've got all the answers. Job, you blew it, buddy. This is your fault. You brought this on yourself. What in the world did you do? He says, God, you've took everybody in my life that matters. You've taken my company. Maybe it's the family, the friends that could have given me good advice. The only thing you've left me is these people 
of all these vain words that there's no end to mean absolutely nothing. You see, it's one of the tricks of the trade with Satan. His object, his object is to stop you, to destroy you. He wants to leave you desolate. He wants to separate you from the people that can be the greatest encouragement to you. He doesn't care how he does it. You know that one of the greatest tools that he uses in the churches today is by separating the company. <laughs> You'll get something playing in your mind. Oh, man, did you see how they looked at me this morning? <laughs> Maybe you messed up. Oh, no. Every one of them's turning their nose up at me now. Well, you overhear some comment that's about something else totally in the world, but you hear it in a totally different way. Division, separation. Job was separated from the people in his life that could have mattered. He was left with people that were just giving him vain words that mattered nothing. I'm saying that's a trick of Satan. He wants to wear you down. He wants you just to feel like you can't go on. And he wants to feel like you're separated from the people that matter, from the people that you care about, from the people that could help you. He wants you to be desolate and on your own. And he wants you to feel that way. But I'm saying to you, it's a trick of the enemy. It's a trick of the trade that he's in to get to you. You're never desolate you're never alone. In the first place, you're never alone because Jesus promised never to leave you alone. But you're never, ever, ever without the greatest friend, the greatest company in all the world. But besides that, you know, if we just gave each other the benefit of the doubt sometimes, <laughs> if we assume the best instead of the worst, if we realize that, you know, <laughs> a lot of those people really care. Sometimes they don't know what to do but they still love you. They still care. Give them a chance. I know. Has somebody ever come to you with something and you said something really, really stupid to them in return? We all have, haven't we? That doesn't mean they don't love you. It doesn't mean they even thought about what they were saying. It doesn't even mean that they meant it in the way that you heard it. But we have, and we all do. And the thing is, just look around, even with us here tonight, given the chance, we'll all let each other down sometime. We'll get it wrong sometimes. But please remember, it's a trick of the trade. Satan wants you to be weary. Satan wants you to be separated from the company that can encourage you, that can make a difference in your life. You find that he also says here in the next verse, notice, and thou hast filled me with wrinkles, which is a witness against me. Thou hast filled me with wrinkles. <laughs> Takes a whole lot less muscles to smile than it does to frown. <laughs> but that's, that's what he's talking about here. Taking away that, that Christian countenance that ought to light up our faces. We've got something to smile about. We just sang that, that, that great old song earlier, oh, happy day when Jesus took my sins away. We ought to be the happiest people on earth. They ought to be looking at us trying to figure out what in the world. This is a strange lot of people. 
They might be wanting to send the guys out with the white jackets because we're just smiling too much. we got no reason to be happy in a situation like this. He wants to give you that miserable countenance. He wants to give you what sometimes I've referred to in the past as a backslider's face. <laughs> a backslider's face. Because you see, if you really know the Lord Jesus Christ and you get away from him, you're not going to be happy. You're going to be one miserable soul. And you're going to try to make everybody around you miserable to go along with you. Because you think that's going to make you feel better somehow. It's a trick of the trade. Satan wants to take away your joy. He wants to put those frowns on your face. He wants to make you look like you're the most miserable person because he doesn't want anybody else to want what you've got. And that's a good way to do it. Why would they want something that was making you so miserable? Our joy, a joy unspeakable, a joy full of glory. That's what they ought to see in us. He says, and my leanness rising up in me beareth witness to my face. <laughs> yeah, my face is a miserable lot to look at. I mean, it just <laughs> looks like you just, what's the old saying, eat a bag of lemons? <laughs> I used to love them in the summertime, though. They're quite a thirst quencher, but they sure make you put some funny faces on your, funny looks on your face. He says, man, he says, I've got this miserable face filled with leanness, with Emptiness. In other words, starving on the inside. <laughs> Leanness. That emptiness. You see, when something starts getting you away from your relationship with the Lord, you're going to be empty. You're going to feel empty. There's going to be a leanness there. That's the trick of the devil. He wants to distance you from the Lord. He doesn't want you. He doesn't want you to feel the presence of God in your life. He doesn't want you to know and depend upon the strength that's within that you don't have yourself. He wants you to feel empty, totally empty. Folks, I see a lot of empty Christians today because of the trick of the trade of Satan. He's taken away their joy. They're just empty on the inside because they've listened to him. Instead of the promises of the Lord, he says, He teareth me in his wrath who hateth me. He takes advantage of the helpless. He takes advantage of you. You see, he wears you down, he gets you weary, <laughs> he gets you separated from the people that will matter in your life, at least feeling like you're separated, even though that many times you're really not. He takes away your Christian countenance. He fills you with emptiness on the inside instead. He takes advantage of you when you're weak, when you're down, when you're discouraged. Satan knows no mercy. It's not part of his vocabulary. The weaker you are, the better. Sorrow upon sorrow, agony upon agony. He can't get you low enough. He knows your Achilles heel. He'll take advantage of it every time. You see, to be without Christ is to be without power. To be without Christ is to be without a defense 
against the wiles of Satan, we find that pain and tears have absolutely no effect. He says down in verse 16, My face is foul with weeping, and on my eyelids is the shadow of death. I mean, he's down, and, and not only has he lost that countenance, but his, his, his eyes are filled with tears. He's crying. He's pouring it out. And Satan just wants to keep beating him down further. He gnashes upon me with his teeth. Mine enemy sharpeneth his eyes upon me. They have gaped upon me with their mouth. They have smitten me upon the cheek reproachfully. They have gathered themselves together against me. You see, even in this world, sometimes, even the bully, there comes a point when he's beaten the guy to a pulp so bad that he has a little bit of mercy and backs away. Satan will never back away. It's a trick of the trade. When he gets you down, he just wants to keep beating you down and beating you down more and more and more. You feel like you've got no hope whatsoever. But you've always got hope when you've got Christ. Don't forget that. Don't fall for the tricks of the trade. He wants to get all of us. You're not immune to it. What does he say next? He says, God hath delivered me to the ungodly. <laughs> Turn me over into the hands of the wicked. <laughs> Just feel like that God has deserted you altogether. You see, this is a part truth. God had allowed him to be turned over to, the, to Satan, <laughs> into the devil's hands. But even then, God had placed his limits the devil could go no further than God allowed him to go. you got to throw God's promise out. Do you believe? Do you believe that he's really with you? Do you believe that he's really going to preserve you? Do you believe that when he promised you, the victory is yours? Do you believe that when he promised you as one of his children, as one of his elect, that one day you will be Conform to the very image of Jesus Christ himself. Do you believe that's where God is taking you? Because if you don't believe it, then why would you ever believe him to save you anyway? What hope have you got in the Christian faith? You see, we, we, we take that little bit and we want that little bit and we want our sins forgiven and we want to know that we're going to heaven and then we let Satan come along and pull all of his tricks out of the bag and convince us somehow that God didn't really believe this. We can't have it both ways, folks. It's just a trick of the devil. He goes on. <laughs> he tells us here in verse 12, I was at ease. But he hath broken me asunder. He hath also taken me by the neck and shaken me to pieces and set me up for his mark. You know, if any of you have ever been out on the seas in a ship or a boat of any size or whatever, it's pretty smooth sailing when, when the seas are smooth and the seas are calm. I got to tell you, when those waves start tossing, I don't turn red like this jacket. I turn green real quick. <laughs> no, I, you know, I don't like the waves tossing me about out there. 
But he's talking about this experience here of literally being broken apart. He's out there and he's like when that, when that sea gets a hold of that ship in another place in the Bible where Paul's talking about literally where the, where the ship runs ashore and is stuck and the Swedes just break the ship in half. He feels like that. I would demonstrate, but I don't have my mic on. I could come back there and maybe grab Antonio by the neck. <laughs> have you ever seen somebody grab somebody by the neck and just shake them? That's what he feels like the devil's doing to him. That's what the picture that he's giving us here. He says, he's taken me by the neck and shaken me to pieces and set me up for his mark. That's the way he feels. Folks, it's a trick of Satan. He wants you to feel like he's got you by the neck, he's shaking you to pieces, and you've got no hope. You know, if you had me out there in that ship in that storm, I probably would feel like I had zero hope. I don't really like being on the sea when it's calm. <laughs> Let alone when it starts tossing me around everywhere. And I've got no control over it. I'm going where it goes. That's why ships are fine. They don't put all of those beacons out there and warnings out there to warn them away in the calm seas when it's clear, when they can see. It's when they can't see. But they need the warnings. They need to know where the dangers are. It's a trick of Satan. He says in verse 13, His archers compass me round about. He cleaveth my reins asunder and doth not spare. He poureth out my gall upon the ground. Satan, remember, this is not to scare you. This is to enlighten you. When Satan was kicked out of heaven... He took a third of the heavenly host with him. Now, I know that we live in a day when there's an awful lot of false teaching out there and people are seeing demons under every rock and people want to blame everything on the devil made me do it or this demon made me do it when most of the time it's just their own sinful flesh that made them do it. We better realize as well, the Bible has much to teach. Demons are real. Satan has his forces to try to bring against you, and he will use all the forces of hell that he can against us. He wants total destruction. If you're out to destroy someone, you use everything in your arsenal to wipe them out. You need to recognize. He wants you to think that he's got more than you can handle. He wants to bring his forces against you and he'll bring the very forces of hell against you. You see, he's had lots of practice. <laughs> he has had much practice. He knows where to hit. He knows where it hurts. And I want to remind you again, if there's really any hope in your life, and this is not to scare you off because sometimes people say, man, I'd just rather... I'd rather sit on the bench and be a water boy. <laughs> I'd rather be in the reserves. If you really, really need me, then I'll come and help out, but I don't want to get too involved. The truth is, it's the ones that he wants the most is those that are willing to get involved. Those that are willing for their life to count for Jesus. Not to count for themselves. Not to show what a success they can be in life. Not so everybody else can look and be proud of them for what they've accomplished. But 
when their life can be used, that they can look and see what Jesus accomplished, that they can be proud of Christ. You see, the devil doesn't like to destroy anybody more than the ones that are going to make the most difference. So I've seen it time and again, even in this church in the years that I've been here, I've seen people sit back and not want to get involved. And sometimes the preacher can get so discouraged because he preaches his heart out and he teaches and he sees so much potential and there's so many people out there that, that need the gospel witness. There's so many people that need helping and there's so many people that are just sitting and doing nothing. That doesn't mean you don't love them. It means your heart's breaking because you know that so much more could be accomplished. Time and time again, I've seen when God began to move on some of those lives and they began to get involved and say, yes, I want to count. I want to do something for the Lord. I want to make a difference. And they faced some of the fiercest battles of their life. You want to sit back and do nothing. The devil's quite happy to let you do so. But it's when you can accomplish something. Remember, Job was the most upright. <laughs> he was the one that was deemed to be a perfect, mature, one of the greatest upon this earth. And yet that's the one that was going through these battles. You see, it's sometimes some of God's choicest servants that, that God could use to the greatest effect but Satan will start pulling all of his tricks, getting them to feel weary, getting them to feel like they've been separated from the people that really matter, taking away their Christian countenance and filling them with an emptiness and a void, taking advantage of them when they're down and just beating them down and beating them down, shaking them, making them feel like that, you know, he's got them and there's nothing they can do and they can't get away from this using the very forces of hell against them. We find that he says here in verse 4, He breaketh me with breach upon breach. He runneth upon me like a giant. His tactics are powerful. You see, he can take a small, insignificant nothing and he can make it into an overpowering giant in a Christian's life. He can take something in your life that ought not to matter if you really had your eyes upon Jesus. He can turn it into something that would try to destroy your faith. He can take an insignificant nothing, as I said earlier, one of the greatest tools he has in the church is division, separation, dividing people. You take a little nothing that wasn't even meant to be harmful. Man, he'll start playing that over and over and over. You ever had, you know, back, you know, I, I know, I know it tells my age. We used to have vinyl, <laughs> vinyl records and vinyl albums, and you'd put them on there and they'd spin, and man, they played beautiful. But you get a scratch on there, <laughs> and sometimes that thing get hung up. And it's just the same thing over and over and over and over and over and over again because he gets caught in that rut. Sometimes that's what happens in our minds if we're not careful. Some little insignificant, the minute just plays over and over. It's like a broken record. It's just over and over and over and over and over. 
It's a trick of the trade. It's Satan. Never, ever underestimate his strength and his trickery. But never, ever, ever underestimate who you are and the power that is within you in Jesus Christ. The Bible says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Do you believe that? We find that it's Jesus Christ that is our advocate. He says here in verse 29, Job was praying for that. He said, oh, that one might plead for a man with God as a man pleadeth for his neighbor. Oh, if somebody would just plead to God on my behalf, will you have someone pleading to God on your behalf? Jesus Christ himself, he is your advocate. He is there on your behalf. He just needs you to doubt. You see, if you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ, I've said it many times, and I don't even know how to say it. Oh, I wish. You know, if I could come back there and grab you by the neck and shake you that you felt like I was going to break you apart, if it would get you to realize your lost condition and what Jesus Christ has done for you and how foolish that it is for you to walk through those doors tonight not knowing that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, how foolish could you be? You're facing that world out there, an enemy that wants to destroy you, that wants to wipe you off the face of the earth for all of eternity. You have no power without Christ. <laughs> but he's offered you everything. Well, if you're here this evening and you're lost, I promise you, he wants to blind you. He wants to keep you from seeing. He wants to keep you from hearing. But I'm saying to you this evening, Jesus died for you. He died for you so that your sins could be forgiven. And right now, if you will humble yourself and have the faith to believe, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that's not of yourselves, it's a gift of God Lest any man should boast, you can't do anything. But God's done it all if you'll just but believe. And accept him as your Lord and Savior. He'll do it for you. And Christian, I know the battles are real. They are very real. And the devil has some pretty good tricks of the trade that he's had plenty of practice with, and he's very successful on a lot of people with them. I'm saying, don't let him pull his tricks on you. Recognize him for who he is. Recognize him for what he's trying to do for you. Rejoice. And again, I say rejoice. You don't have to fall for his tricks because you know the truth. You know, most of the tricks of the trade, they have to be pulled on those People are deceived because they don't know the truth. You've got the truth. If you'll obey that truth, if you'll listen to that truth, then just recognize Satan has got a lot of tricks in his bag, but you've got the answer for every one of them right here. There's nothing 
There's nothing that he can pull out. He can't do anything that's beyond God's control and God's power. Father, I thank you this evening, and Lord, I know as we move into the time of our conference in just over a week that we'll be looking, Lord, at a lot of thoughts on this whole idea of, Lord, being triumphant through the troubles. We're sifted sometimes. But Lord, you sift for the good. Make us better. We know the devil's out there, and he's the one that he's wanting to make us less. He's wanting to destroy. Oh, help us just to be aware of the tricks of the trade through the truth of your word. Help us to stand upon the truth, to believe the truth, to resist the devil, and he'll flee from us. I pray, Lord, that if there be one here tonight that doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, help them, Lord. Help them, Lord, to be willing just to humble themselves and admit to themselves and admit to you and recognize that Jesus is their only hope, but he's all the hope that they need. Father, for every Christian, I know without a doubt, Lord, that there are those here tonight, Lord, that could be greatly used for your kingdom and your service. We know that Satan will try every trick of the trade that he's got to keep that from happening. Lord, I pray these are certainly not his only tricks, but these are just a few that he pulled on Job. Lord, we know that in the end that he was victorious through it all because of being true to you. So I pray that you'd help us this evening, Lord. Help us to be made what you would have us to be. Help us to recognize Satan's tricks for what they are. Help us to stand up on the truth, to stand up and be counted for Jesus. And we'll give you all the praise and all the thanks for it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.